coming up for you today. We have the All-Star Game snubs. We discuss some hot and cold teams in the NBA right now. The Brooklyn Nets balling without KD. We do a bit of who says no to some trades. We open up a very full mailbag. We round up this week's NBL Cup. And as always, we check in with the Brizzy Willies, along with Mal's very special Bangs My Backboard. Hope you enjoy the show. Podcast 8 of Ball Don't Lie Australia. As always, your hosts today, uh, Dan, and with me is Mel. The big dog. We're back to do this again, Mel. So, yeah, eight weeks, baby. Here we are. Um, maybe to kick things off today, I, I thought we'd focus on a franchise we're usually pretty harsh on. Um, yeah, but today they they cracked a record. Yeah, mm. yeah I'm glad to say, and um, the Minnesota Timberwolves now own a record, so yeah. well done. Uh, hey. Um, Mel, do you know the record? Uh, whew, is it greatest team ever? Close. Close. Oh, You're warm. Oh, warm. <laughs> uh, is it oh, best team in the state? <laughs> uh, cooler. <laughs> cooler, cooler. All right, put me out of my misery. So, the Timberwolves now own the worst winning percentage of all time across all American sports. Wow. So, congrats. They are Mm. really, really good at sucking. Yeah. Wow. And I imagine in that category, you'd have teams like the Cleveland Browns, the Mm -hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Um... And I know you're a football guy, Mal, so I didn't want to stump you with any trivia from football. Oh, yeah. That's good. I want you to try and guess the baseball and hockey teams that fit into this category. Uh, there's only a couple of hockey teams I even know the names of. It's not going to be Vegas Knights because they almost won straight out of the gate. Um, they've had yep. a couple of good seasons. Oh, I don't want to say it's New York right? I can't be the LA Kings because they had Gretzky back in the day. Uh, think think in the desert somewhere. In the, no, they can't play ice hockey in the desert, mate. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> with my bank account. Uh, Arizona something? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. The Coyotes. Oh. So they had the worst winning percentage at 48%. So right. below 500. Yeah, yeah. Um... Baseball. Baseball. This is now one of the best teams in the league. They have, like, the worst <laughs> all-time record. Have they been around for a long time? No idea. Okay. Yep. Not an avid baseball fan. Cool. Well, I only know about six teams, and most of them have movies about them. So it's well, probably not going to be them. Uh, ath- the Athletics. It starts with a P. P. The Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> <laughs> Close the enough. Pa- the Padres? Yeah, the Padres. Oh, there you go. So they sit at 46%. Right. Um, now, let's get back to the, the main team we're celebrating here, and that's the Timberwolves, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see the percentage they've reached of wins? I, d- I didn't see it. I just saw that they'd got the record. 
It's a doozy. Oh yeah. It's uh thirty nine percent. Oh oh, that, that's that's amazing how well they've won that category. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough to catch them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look. Oh. Um, wow. Not really a lot to say. There's about not it. a lot it's, of words you know, is there. Just... Apart from the positivity of you've got the record. Uh, I think we've covered the Wolves quite a lot the last seven weeks in, in our thoughts directly about them. Especially considering how good they are as a franchise. <laughs> mm. I found this um, I found this that interesting because on the same day I saw another one pop up for the Spurs. Yeah. Um, and this graphic for the Spurs said they can lose their neck. Oh, they could lose every game for the next 10 seasons and still be above 500 for their franchise winning um, percentage. Okay. So <laughs> they could lose every game for 10 years and still have a better percentage than the Timberwolves. Wow. That um, that really goes to show you the, the real quality of the franchise and the amazing decisions they've made. Back, yeah. back of house as well. Oh, and they're still quietly winning this season as well, going about their business. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've won a couple. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into today's show. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. All right, so the All Star reserves have been announced. Now we um, both picked fairly on on point there. Yeah, apart from my, you know, silly picks. Um, which we talked about on air anyway. You know, most of mine were there. Yours were there, minus a couple. Yeah. You know, we were both pretty well on track. So I guess the chat in the media has sort of now been who got snubbed. And of course, you know, we've seen all the um, Devin Booker and DeMontis Sabonis snub articles. They've now both been named as injury replacements for mm-hmm. Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant, respectively. Yep. Um, so they're in, but I guess we can still call them snubs per se. Um, look, I addressed why Booker wasn't there last week, and I just think it's the CP3 effect, and he's mm-hmm. he's not going to make it in over CP3 at this at this point of the season, especially when he started off real slow in the season as well. Booker, like I know he's red hot right now, and he's you know carrying that offense, but he did start off quite slow this year. Yeah. And look, it is also kind of cool that he got what he's now a two-time injury replacement all-star. Yeah, only one I you could know. ever think of. That, how about that for an ESPN-style <laughs> you know, stat, if you will? Yeah. But deservedly so. Like, I don't think anyone in the West who was left over would probably deserve that spot more. I do have one guy, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's carrying the Spurs basically on his own at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Grandpa DeRozan. I just imagine. just lost his father. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of a story out there in San Antonio at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but DeRozan's whole career, it, it's sort of similar to another guy that I picked last week, Mike Conley, and they just go under the radar, and they're not all they're stars. not super. <laughs> well, I guess they're not, not all stars. Well, DeRozan is. Um, Mike yeah. Conley never got there, um, but they're not. That's all right. He's still pretty young, yeah. Mike Conley. Oh, no way. That, no, that's right. Oh, oh that's all well, good. Yeah, he's younger than you. <sighs> that's all of the <laughs> NBA, mate. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. If we're picking snubs, 
I'm not sure who I'd take out to put DeRozan in, so it's not a traditional snub per se. Mm-hmm. I just think he does deserve to be there. Um, the Spurs are quietly sitting that 4-5 seat at the moment. And yeah, they've re-rallied back up. They've they really started them. to dip, and then they've, they've yo-yoed back a bit. No, they're, not, um, they're not on top, but they're you know, right in the meat of that playoff battle. Well, they're back to so. being the Spurs. They've had, they've had Aldridge out for the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Keldon Johnson's been out for the last few weeks. That's two of their starters. Um, and DeRozan's really taken that load on. Obviously, Dejounte Murray as well, but yep. you know, uh, there's only so many spots. Um, anyone you think? Could uh, be there? I, I do love the talk around Trey Young, potentially, mm. you know, being on the bubble. Technically, um, it was a safe pick for the NBA because he was already going to be in Atlanta anyway, because that's where his team's based. Yep, yep. So, you know. Technically a COVID-safe pick, if you will. Um, his numbers are up on last year, um, things like that. But they just sacked his coach. You know, he gone. Um, team's not doing well, and he's gone from a starter to not even being picked. And, look, you know, for me, I don't have any strong feelings towards it. I actually think it's interesting because he's been a little bit floppy and a little bit, you know, doing that ugh, kind of stuff that's really difficult to watch. Bangs and, your back all. Oh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Um, Actually, I believe that banged my backboard uh, back, back in the day. Yes, yes. <laughs> do, you, but, do you want to know my take on Trey Young? Hit me. My, my take is that he obviously didn't get the fan vote this year, so he was relying on the coaches. Um now the coaches, not not all the coaches, but we've seen some like Steve Nash criticizing his play in the media. You know the whole that's not basketball, um, which I agree with. And yeah. Don't get me wrong, Trey is not the only player in the league that does it. Yeah. Um, but I think given the fact that he's relying on coach votes and the coaches are criticizing him in public, I can only imagine what their feelings are behind closed doors. Especially when you look at the demographic of the coaches. I mean, they're typically older guys. A lot of them played back in the day, you know, in the basketball that we're kind of talking about that isn't really played anymore. So, yeah, it was going to be an uphill struggle and clearly didn't get it done. So Yeah, but uh, you are right. It is in Atlanta and I'd say we'll probably see him in another event there where you throw the ball from a long way away and try and get it in a lot of times. Yeah. Look, it's COVID safe-ish. He's pretty good at that. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, the only other one I'd throw out there, again, maybe not a snub because I don't know who you replace. I mean, Vucevic is getting picked on a lot out mm-hmm. in the East, is getting replaced for Player X. Um, mm-hmm. I still stand by Chris Middleton. He's super efficient. He, he's very DeMar DeRozan-like, not in his play style, but the fact that he does all those little things that we just don't really notice. He's a... You know, he's, he's in the 50, 40, 90 peripherals just about every season. Mm-hmm. Um, and really helping that Bucks team come alive. Uh, they've just won their last five games after losing the five before that, after yeah. winning the five before that. So, yeah, yeah. up and down season for them, but... A little bit. Another, if if an, any, yeah. And another team where there's been conversations around the coach. Yeah. You know, just, just another one of these teams at the moment, but popular pod discussing a, their new acquisition for the year as well mm. um, so 
I mean, they're, they're showing signs out there of the Bucks, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll see how they go. Well, mate, um, since you've got so many snubs, do you think we should go to, well, the league should go to a 15 players on each team? Yeah, Which interesting you bring that up. So I've got a bit of a proposal for you. All right. Let's see what you think. Okay. I want to try and reformat the game, make it a bit more interesting. Okay. Well, as um, you know, I've got the hotline to Adam Silver, so good, if good. it's any good. It's going to work. <laughs> Um, so we keep the Elam ending. I love that. Tribute mm-hmm. to Kobe, plus it makes the players play. Mm-hmm. Let's extend the rosters to 15. Uh-huh. So you'll see an extra six players out there total. Probably still argue who got snubbed, but still. Yep. It's an extra six. We'll just be talking about guys who aren't as good further down the line, but yeah. Here's my idea for the game. So you got the 15 players. For the first three quarters, the coaches run subs. Yeah. They coach the game, whatever. Fourth quarter, captain runs the subs. Okay. So, why why I propose that? Think think of the storylines when captains are picking teams. So you got Kevin Durant this year, for example. Mm-hmm. Say he picks James Harden, but not Kyrie Irving to be on his team. Mm-hmm. There's a story, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it comes down to the fourth quarter and it's winning time and Kevin Durant parks James Harden on the bench there's another storyline for you yeah yeah look I think they need to do something or um, yeah. here's another one yeah yeah hit me let's say next year because he's a captain this year but let's say LeBron's not a captain one year but he's there yeah and he's Probably got a he's getting older let's say Kawhi's the captain he's conference foe yeah yeah and Kawhi says oh LeBron I think you're going to play the whole fourth quarter and you're really just going to run as hard as you can for the whole fourth quarter uh, and I'm going to sit on the bench and, and relax interesting I don't think Kawhi I, I can't see Kawhi doing that <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Kawhi parking himself but you never know what do you think about the captains taking over the the coaching duties in the fourth quarter uh, look it's an interesting idea it'll definitely get people talking about the game I think they need to do something um, I, yeah for me that idea eh you know I, I think there's at 15 you've got too many players that's the biggest issue um, with the current format especially um, it'd spice it, that idea spices it up a bit, but I think 15 players is just as it is. You've got some players, you know, barely playing in this game, and it's supposed to be the all stars, not the everybody stars. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, but I definitely think they need to do something like, you know, as I haven't picked a, you know, I haven't been shy about, oh, I'd be watching this year. No, none of it not none of it just not the all-star game it doesn't you know well it hasn't been magical for me for a long time and each time I keep going back it's like well still not magical I'll see you again in a few years so well we got that all coming up this weekend so by the time we talk next I'll be able to tell you all about it I can't wait to hear about it first here <laughs> <laughs> Time now to have a look at some teams that are running incredibly hot and some teams that are ice cold at the minute. Uh, there are a few across the league. Uh, there's a 
typically is this time of year, coming in, coming in and out of all-star break. Um, Dan, who's red hot for you? I've gone with the Heat. The Heat. Um, yeah, your your guys that you wanted in the All Star game out there, Jimmy buckets and Bam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the media this week, but apparently Jimmy Butler got the call before Demontis Sabonis to be oh. the injury replacement. Yeah. Um, but he declined because Bam wasn't going to be there. So. Who, wow. who said he's a bad teammate? <laughs> he was just stuck in a bad franchise. Which we discussed at the top of the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, We don't need to do that yeah. again. Clearly, um, clearly there's no interest for <laughs> Bam's misses, but that's okay. <laughs> so, the Heat um, are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Nice. And they've gone from, oh, are the Heat even going to make the playoffs? To, mm. they're just half a game out of home court advantage right now. And... Nice. The crazy thing in the East at the moment is you're a good week away from having home court advantage or a bad week away from being in the playoff. Um, what's it called? Play-in. The play-in, not the playoff. The play-in. Yeah. Yep. So the East is so tight right now, but mm-hmm. the heat, their defense is back, the shots are falling, and they're, they're winning the tough games again. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, hot teams I had don't get any hotter than the sun and the suns are on fire at the moment <laughs> two from two <laughs> um, was it they've won the last 11 of their la- uh, sorry 11 of their last 13 games mm. been winners um, as we've talked about a few times the CP3 effect is in full effect uh, lately, you've also had all this all-star snub garbage for Booker, and he's only turned it on with that yep. all happening. Um, you've also got players like Jay Crowder, who um, we've talked about a couple of times. He's been off and on both of our fantasy league teams. Currently um, off everyone's. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it's... He's one of those players that doesn't do a lot necessarily in the box score, but defensively, you know, diving all over the court, you know, that kind of stuff. And just culture and leadership yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 100%. He, he's been rather good. And last couple of games, I think he, was it two games ago, you know, dropped 20-piece, mm. you know. Can um, pop up every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Just not a consistent, not, not someone for a fantasy consistently unless you're in a, you know, Big eighteen yeah. team league, <laughs> yeah, um, and you've also got DeAndre Ayton, who's averaging a double double this year, and a name I didn't think I'd ever hear again. Um, not that he's a bad player necessarily, but uh, Frank the Tank Kaminsky, <laughs> yeah, uh, badger, yeah, not doing too bad for himself at all at the moment. Um, yeah, look, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. It's one. It's going to be one of these teams, potentially like the Jazz, which they're probably not going to want to go into the All-Star break for the sheer fact that they are firing. And, you know, keep it going red hot. Then again, you know, maybe a week off. A couple of their, you know, guys going to Atlanta. Well, their oldest player is going to yeah. not have a break, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it... I dare say it might be his last chance. Yeah, you don't know, don't don't know. But then again, he is also well respected by the coaches. Well, so yeah, a kid out of Memphis is taking Chris Paul's spot next year. So oh yeah, <laughs> I wonder who that might be. 
Um, anyway. Yeah. Teams, teams that are a bit cold right now. Oh. <laughs> and we can't, you go. we can't say Minnesota because, <laughs> like, it's a cold city. Yeah. The team is cold. Anyway, moving I think we, on. I think we've thrown enough muck. Um, I'm going with the Pacers. Oh, not the Grizzlies. Hey, we just no? beat the Rockets by 50. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it's calm your farm. And we beat the Clippers. It's amazing how, they, you know, how bad the Rockets are without Boogie. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Pacers were the NBA's darlings, it feels like, just a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. everyone jumping up and down and saying, well, Sabonis is carrying that team. And why isn't he an all-star? And yeah, they're 15 and 18 right now. Um, and they're losing a lot of games. And look, they've got injuries. Karis LeVert is out at the moment, which certainly isn't helping, along with TJ Warren. So that's their two starting wings are out. Um, I'd say in the East, though, like you got Brogdon, Sabonis, Miles Turner. That should be good enough to have you above 500. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if teams like Memphis can be at 500 in the West with what they're playing with, the Pacers should be well over 500 in the East, and they're just not. And... They're, they're starting to lose a lot of the close games that they were winning earlier in the season. Am I worried about them moving forward this season? Yeah. Next season, once everyone's back and healthy and been training together and integrated a bit more, I think they're going to be just fine. Um, but on a cold street right now. Mm. Which, again, going into the All-Star break, you're going to have a cold street. You know, traditionally, it's not a bad time to have one. A lot of teams have come firing out of the All-Star break and just lit it up. Well, I'm interested to hear your cold team because I really hope it's my second choice. Ah. I-, I wanted you to address it yourself. But ah. If you don't, I might. That's fine. Pretty sure I got this. Um, let's talk the Celtics. Hey! Because <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, they're a bit crap right now. <laughs> a bit. Um, I don't think it's necessarily time to panic. Um... I think if anything they need to just relax and go back to what's made them good over the last four or five years they need to go back to the no all-star days where basically they kept moving that ball until they got the best shot um the moment you've got brown and tatum which are very good players don't get me wrong i'm not gonna you know sit here and bag them but they're not those type of players yet that are get on my shoulders you know, I will carry this team for the next four or five months until, you know, X, Y, Z pieces come back together. They're not that yet. Um, they might be. They are at times, I reckon, but, but they're not just a bit streaky, yeah. Not, not consistently, unfortunately, um, which is the problem because when they're not so great, they're still looking for that shot as opposed to looking for the the open guy, which the, Do you know, think made them good. One thing I've sort of noticed, just wanted to get your opinion on, Yeah. yeah. do you think Jalen Brown's increase load on offense has impacted his defense at all like do you think he's still that really really strong defender game in game out that he was known to be um look it's gonna hurt because that's more what he was yeah um you know and as you know when you when you've got the ball and you're the last one to chuck up a shot you're often the last one back on d depending on where you are yeah so you know it's gonna affect a little bit um 
and he's had to take on that role for a lot of this year because of the COVID stuff with Tatum yep. and the injury stuff with Kemba. And now they've lost, was it Marcus Smart's due to come back? And I know everyone talks about he's a you know, the defensive heart, but the kid is. That's why he's, you mm-hmm. know, um, been around so long and just a piece of the furniture style sort of kid because he just hustles. He's got a little bit of, um, oh, a bit of deli about him. Um, a lot of teams and players seem as a bit dirty. He's just, you know, he's only got eyes for the ball. Just goes after it, doesn't care. If you're in the way, get out of my way. Or I'm going through you, sort of attitude. Um, uh, Kemba, let's be honest, has been missing since the bubble last year. He did have a good game. It was either... You guys have actually won your last two uh, against Mm. the Pacers and the Wizards, uh, which are both two pretty good wins at the moment. Um, Kemba played good in one of those games. I can't remember which one it was, but he had, I think, around 20 points, but pretty lacklustre otherwise. And it it certainly hasn't been consistent. No. That's that's the big thing, considering his contract. But he has been injured. Like, you know, no one comes back at this level um, from an injury and just instantly turns it back on. Um, So we'll have to see how that goes. I don't necessarily think it's time to hit the panic button and trade him. Um, Two reasons. I think he's still got, you know, his best basketball in front of him and the way he's been playing. We're not going to get much value for money, frankly. Um, You know, and we still have that big man gap problem that we've had since... A big drumming size gap. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what we're going to fill with that. If only we could think of a player. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully Smart comes back after the All-Star break. Um, he gives them that, you know, that real drive and presence on D and pushes the locker room in a positive way. And look, we'll just have to see how we go. As I said, I don't think it's panic stations just yet. They've got some really good pieces. But we'll have to see how we go. Yep, and um, special shout out to the Rockets because you know we're not going to deep dive on them, but geez, they've been horrible lately. They have. We we did kind of talk about them. As you said, they lost Boogie, and that was that. Mm. The heart and soul. Of the team. I know, right? <laughs> what were they thinking? Oh my god! But we did actually talk about them a few weeks ago, and we sort of talked about they really needed to win and keep winning, and if that happened, they'd be fine, and it didn't, and they aren't. No. So, you know. There's going to be some big changes in Houston over the next few weeks. Huge mungus. <laughs> in the words of Jay-Z, Brooklyn, we go hard. Brooklyn right now, the Nets. Um, a lot of question marks coming in with the Harden trade. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a rocky beginning there for him. Yep. Not playing a lot of defense, the the team that is. Yeah, um, but <laughs> which he was never going to fix. <laughs> no, um, but look, surprisingly, you know, he he does do quite well in the ESPN stats. You know, the advanced ones like deflections per thirty six minutes and that type of thing. Um, take from that what you will. Mm. But just wanted to touch on the Nets that they're eight and two in their last ten. And Kevin Durant hasn't been available. So, this has been Harden, 
Harden for all the games. Kyrie's sat out a few, but when they've both been on the court together, they've been electric. Mm. We had Stephen A. Smith come out and say Kyrie Irving is the um, the best show in the NBA right now. I mean, he's on your fantasy team, so you're probably keeping up with what he's doing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely liking the figures. Um, unfortunately, the rest of my fantasy team is a dumpster fire, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, that is what it is. But yeah, no, look, you know, guy's doing well. Um, we did talk about this a few weeks ago when the trade was originally made. We talked about how there's going to be some issues with that chemistry, but if they can get through that and win... Winning solves all problems. Yeah. And they had always. a little bit of an issue uh, in that winning sort of... They won a couple of games when they first got there, then they went in a... Uh, let's say a small slump. Nothing too big. Um, no, I think they lost two or three games. And it yeah, was the end of the but it's one of those, you know, exactly the media sort of blew it out. And now they're winning against good opposition. You know, well... They're outscoring. <laughs> They're outscoring some teams. Yeah. Well, but that's winning, you know. And will it continue? Look, if, they, if, if it still works and they've still got KD to add, so... I mean, I can't see why not. I think the biggest mm. change was Harden moving to point guard. Kyrie Irving publicly saying that. So, I mean, as far as what we're seeing in the media... It's all pink and red roses out there at the moment. Yeah. Kyrie's happy to slide over and give Harden the ball. I mean, it's worked out well. I think Harden today had 30, 15, and 14. So, um, And Kyrie's getting his stats. But, yeah, I mean, Stephen A's comments are justified, I think. And, mm. you know, he's careful in not suggesting that Kyrie's the best player in the league because he's not. No, but he's not. is he the best show in the league? I mean... It's hard to think of anyone else right now at this point. I mean, obviously, players have had hot streaks, but right now, mm. I reckon he probably is. Look, definitely, um, at the moment, especially with so many other you know, all-stars, all-stars type players who are either injured or a little bit of a slump and not you know, doing what they were doing three, four weeks ago... Um, It'll, I definitely have a strong feeling, though, that at some point, I've got a feeling they're going to beat themselves. Mm. Um, it's going to be an internal problem, as opposed to being beaten by an, you know, by a better team. But that's basketball too. You know, you win. I mean, you win all, through the team. They're all pretty out there guys. Like you got mm. Kevin Durant, the social media guy that's you know reading his tweets and got burner accounts and you've got Kyrie Irving and you know we're not going to get into politics on this show but he's pretty outspoken in his views Captain Flat Earth yep yeah and he's just come out today with some more stuff that we won't get into but he's very public in his thoughts and Mm -hmm. then you've got James Harden who's you know the modern day Rodman of sorts with his partying Mm. and yeah yeah adult entertainment um so Look, there is a recipe for disaster, but on the court, the product we're seeing is just unreal right now. And to think you've got what I say is the greatest pure scorer we have ever seen to come back. Um, I think, yeah, it's only going to help KD and extend his career the way that 
Harden and Kyrie dominate the ball because KD can play off them yep. and just hit shots. Yep. Doesn't have to handle the load so much. Yeah. Which, again, look, this this run they put together could be magical. Um, it could be awful, but again, I, I think it's just going to come down to them. Yeah. How they agreed. How they play it. So, Mal, I've uh, fired up the trade machine again. Hey! <laughs> well, I didn't. Bleacher Report did. So cool, cool. They <laughs> sent out... All the hard work done then. Yeah. <laughs> credit to them. Yeah. So we don't get sued. Uh, <laughs> so, they sent out an article this week of um, the best trade that each franchise could do before the trade deadline, in their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've picked three that I thought were interesting. Yep. And I want to just get your thoughts on who says no, which team... Hangs up the phone and says, no, thank you. Um, cool, it might cool. be both. It might be none. Yep. So trade one mm-hmm. of, of the three that we're going to look at. The Cavs receive James Johnson, Dwight mm-hmm. Powell, and a future first-round pick. Yep. The Mavs receive the the man of the hour, Mr. Andre Drummond. Who says no? <sighs> Cavs are saying yes to that. They've already got Drummond heading out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and they was it Drummond only cost him a second round pick I believe yep so uh, they've already given up on Drummond as a piece for them so get another young big in there in Dwight Powell mm-hmm. why not well, team of bigs and a first round pick they get that first round pick which they're already technically getting more than they gave away so look if it was the Mavs first round pick this year I'd mm. say yes. Mm-hmm. If it's next year and they've got Drummond and a healthy Pazingas, I may be saying no to this. Okay. If you're the Mavs. No, if no, I'm if the Cavs. The okay. So, I, what do I need Dwight Powell for that I don't get from Larry Nance or Jared Allen? Yeah. And what, I mean, at the end of the day, if it's next year's first round pick or after that, you're out of the lottery. That's not even consideration with that Mavs team. They're going to be very good, especially with Drummond. Mm. Um, so if I'm the Cavs, I'm saying no. If I'm the Mavs, I'll say hell yes. Yeah. I see, I'll probably say yes from both teams. Okay. Mm. Uh, possibly, yeah, possibly no from the Mavs, but I think Cavs are yes. Okay. I might have Split to send decision. you some more fantasy trades. <laughs> They've particularly gone well for you. <laughs> yes. What's the next one, Big Val? Next one. Oh, t- team near and dear to the show, the Grizzlies. They receive Buddy Hield. Half the show. <laughs> Half the show. Yep. Buddy Hield uh-huh. goes to the Grizzlies. Yep. The Kangs mm-hmm. receive Gorgie Deng mm-hmm. and Mr. Justice Winslow. Who oh. says no? Oh. Look, it's going to be tough for the Kings because they've been so crap for so long and they make so many not so well, so many decisions that don't end well for them. Did you see that game they lost yesterday to the Hornets? I did not. I turned uh, it off with a minute to go because I was like, <laughs> they've, they've got this in the bag. It's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. I think they were up eight or nine with a minute left. Yeah. Um, and then I went on the little box score thing and they were up. Four or five points with 20 seconds left. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bricked five straight free throws and ended up losing the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well done, Kings. Mm. 
Mm. But anyway, still have your coach. Apparently. Yeah. Still. Some, somehow. Yeah, yeah. Somehow. Um, but do, do you reckon either team says no in this one? Uh look, probably not. I think the Kings. The only thing that might balk the Kings is, oh no, is this another one of our crap trades? Because um, they're very good at them. Mm. Um, but yeah, pro- I see both teams probably saying yes to that. So the mm. Grizz get a reliable threat from the outside, which they really, really need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jar can't do it all. No. Well, that's not what you've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> he can. He's just choosing not to. Okay. Um, the reason why it's interesting for the Kings is Gorgie Deng, seventeen million dollar um, paycheck. Mm-hmm. I think he's the highest paid Grizzly this year. Yeah, which is right. interesting. Um, but that's an expiring deal. So the Kings are basically absorbing $17 million that then comes off their books at the end of the year. And Justice Winslow, the, the promising young player that, mm. you know, a bit of injury problems. I actually, if I'm the Grizzlies, if you asked me this two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I'd pull the trigger in a heartbeat. Mm. Um, right now, I'm saying no. Okay. I want to keep that expiring money. Plus, Justice has looked pretty good in his last two games. So... I'd like to sort of see how that goes on. Okay. Interesting. One last trade. One more? Uh, Involves our favourite franchise from snowy Minnesota. Oh, yeah. So the Wolves receive Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. The Magic mm-hmm. receive Jarrett Culver, Juan Hernan Gomez, mm-hmm. Josh Okoge, mm-hmm. and a second round pick. Who says no? Uh, oh, right. So the Wolves are going to trade and get a big man. Big-ish, yeah. Because mm, <laughs> typically they're very good at trading away yeah. their big man. <laughs> so maybe they're trying to flip that whole uh, script thing. Uh, look, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Wolves would say yes. Um, they typically don't make great decisions. Um Magic's getting a lot and they're pretty much a lot of the talk around the league is that they're going to blow it up mm. sooner rather than later mm-hmm. um, so yeah they're probably saying yes or they're using that to using that trade as leverage to get more I mean it looks like the Wolves have given up on Jared Culver mm-hmm. after just a couple of years in the league I don't get it I know his jump shot isn't great but he's a hell of a defender I think having him and Jonathan Isaac as your two wings in Orlando would be pretty devastating. Like they'll just be able to switch everything. They'd be an absolute nightmare to try and score against. Uh, same with Josh Okogie, but more at the guard spot. You know, if he's running around with faults there, um, yep. pretty tough little duo. And obviously got Fournier shooting threes. Um, the Wolves. Look, I know Aaron Gordon's a name. I know he can score, but. I think the Wolves' biggest problem is their defense, and they're trading away a few of their better defenders for a guy that doesn't really play defense. So, yeah, but it's the Wolves, mate. They they don't typically turn down trades. No, and I mean, <laughs> look, I probably still say yes given the context of their team, mm. but I don't necessarily think it makes them that much better, if any. Would love to hear from any Wolves fans their thoughts on this. Look, you never know, some might be listening. Um, but that's the end of that. Cool, cool. Who says no?
Mailbag. And now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the podcast, Mailbag. First up, we've got another question from one of our biggest and bestest fans, definitely our biggest, tallest anyway, Uh, the genuine seven-footer Big Al. Uh, He asked, does Simon deserve the hate for his lack of jump shot? No, from me. Um, For the sheer fact that kid can play D. Um, Would it be better if he had one? Hells yeah. But, you know, he also plays defense rather good. Heard it here first, plays defense rather good. (laughs) Great English coming from the teacher there. (laughs) Glass houses, mate, glass houses. it's definitely a part of his game that you know he has gotten a lot of chirp over. It definitely could be better, but you know he does things that a lot of other players don't. So yeah, and I think yeah, just to bounce off what you're saying, Mel, I I think he's genuinely up for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Mm-hmm. Um, happened to catch him guarding Kawhi Leonard the other day and just gave him nothing and stifled him. So. Uh, I think um, who else was it? I can't think of it right now. But there's a couple of games this last week or two where you just watch him, and it's just like, wow, like mm. you can't score on him. He's so big, so fast, um, and not everything's about the box score. Like, no, he's no. still doing his thing. Like you remember the early years of LeBron. Not to compare Ben to LeBron, but early LeBron was very similar obviously at a higher level but Mm. very similar in that he was the the facilitator a lot of driving not a lot of shooting um, and a great defender so look he's only a few years into his career it's not like he's been playing for 10 years and he's never going to change so yeah and look you know that jump shot still might come it might come he's trying Mm. every now and then and if it does though damn League is in trouble. Damn. <laughs> and if he, it does, Andy plays for the Boomers. Damn. <laughs> Two big ifs. Two yeah. big ifs. Hopefully, both of those come true. Yeah. Thanks again, Big Al. Next question comes from Jakey Davis. Firing him in again. Thanks, buddy. Um, best playoff performance of all time? Question mark. Also. Ooh. Jake was saying that he was discussing with his brothers. Um, shout out to Isaiah. I don't know his other brothers, but um, he was discussing Iverson's performance against the Lakers that won them their sole game. In fact, the only game the Lakers lost that postseason in 2001. And they were debating whether that was the greatest playoff performance of Is all time. Is that the step-over game? That's the step-over game on old T. Lou. Take that, <laughs> Mr. Lou. Um, just on a side note um, I did want to mention that these mailbag questions are just getting better and better every week Mal so yep. really love that you guys are sending these in um, so keep them coming 100% but with that being said um, looks like we both have around, what, three yeah. good playoff performances that we've picked so we might count them down from three to one yep I've got uh Mine are a little bit more different. They're not the more traditional ones. Um, I find with playoff performances, and even though 
couple of these happened before my time. You've got to have skin in the game, or you've got to have a, a real feeling towards it, or watch it, which is why yep. my number one is it is you know, the number one. Um, the big one, the first one for me is uh, Celtics one that I did. I have seen. Um, it's a very old game, going way back to a very different time. Game 7, 1962, well before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. Um, 1962? 1962. Jeez. Is that the Koozie era? Bob Koozie's? Bill, Bill Russell? Bill Russell. Mm. Bill Russell. Uh, he had... Um, Bill Russell won this game, and it was in OT to win the chip. And it was, he had 40 and 30. Nice. 40 rebounds <laughs> and 30 points. And not only um, did he have 40 rebounds and 30 points, it, he tied his own record at 40 <laughs> rebounds and 30 points. Um, wow. In game seven, in OT, you know, you basically you arguably your greatest franchise player ever coming through in the clutch just I mean, don't ask Rondo well no <laughs> <laughs> no Bill Russell wasn't giving Rondo one of his rings if he didn't you know get so there. you take Russell over Bird as uh, the greatest franchise player sheer numbers um, for me yeah okay uh, I'd take Russ interesting he well Russ did more um, you know on the court very different era didn't have the same from what I understand of it, didn't necessarily have the same love for the city, but definitely had love for the team. Um, captain coached. Yep, yep. Like back when that was a thing. Um, <laughs> hey, and they can change won. the all-star game. It can happen again. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, captain coached and obviously, you know, won more chips okay. um, than Bird. But than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's always interesting to know who, who people take. Obviously, following the Lakers, because I was a Kobe fan, is always the debate of who was the greatest Laker of all time. So it's always interesting to know people's thoughts. Yeah, I, I love Larry, but and we'll get into it in a different pod. But um, yeah, there's there's a third, third or even fourth Celtic on the list for me okay. of all time. But we'll do that another time. Dan, Yeah, who's... like never. <laughs> oh come on we indulged you last week <laughs> um, well starting at three on my list is mm-hmm. is that other historic franchise that's yeah, the Lakers yeah. I've got um, Magic jumping at centre in the finals of his rookie year so um, yeah Cream's out not not playing in this game yes. Magic jumps at centre that's what the game's known as mm-hmm. um He's a 20-year-old rookie, and he got 42 points, 15 and 7. Um, as a rookie, the Lakers won that game, and he won uh, finals MVP, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I guess that really said, you know, it's magic time. Magic's here now. And, of course, again, <laughs> another time for another pod. The, the old magic and bird era kicks off in this time period. Yeah, yeah, which was, you know, it's coming. 
It was pretty magical. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little birdie told me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. I'll hold off a, uh, a joke I heard yesterday about uh, one particular bird from a certain state. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, my number two goes to D Wade. Oh, 06. Game three. Mm. 06. I like it. Uh, 42 points. Mavs had a 13 point lead midway through the fourth. Mm-hmm. Wade rallied the heat. 15 points in the fourth. And then that was that. They turned it around. And Heat turned it around, bam, 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 won the next three games as well. There was that timeout where, when they were down in the third, or maybe it was the fourth, and Dwayne Wade just said to the team, I've got this. Mm -hmm. And he just came out and was El Fuego and carried that team. So that's a really good one. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, Yeah. that's a good choice. They're the kind of performances that I really love, the, the ones where either you you don't necessarily expect it or you do but it's it's when it's needed and it's there and well, it's really those big sort of and things. it's contextual as well that was his third year in the NBA mm. this wasn't prime D-Wade this mm-hmm. was kid D-Wade mm-hmm. and old man Shaq mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. Shaq and did Lon- it without Kobe, but <laughs> he had another youngish Kobe type anyway he also had Alonzo Mourning <laughs> yeah you know who wasn't you know, necessarily that far out of his prime, but he wasn't young, Alonzo Mourning. He goes those years to the Hornets. And to think they uh, got the number one pick two years later, is, um, from a chip to that. Mm. Interesting, to say the least. Who'd you have at number two, buddy? Um, number two for me is someone you've probably heard of. Where's number 23? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not LeBron James, though. Oh, it's not LeBron. <laughs> so it's Michael Jordan. I've gone with the flu game. So that's game five in 1997. Yep. Um, 38 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Wildstar up all night the night before battling the flu. Obviously, the flu, was it? Oh, apparently. <laughs> the, the new theories have come out. But mm-hmm. either way, he was in a bad way. And, you know, we've seen the famous footage of Scotty carrying him off the court, basically, and mm. Jordan collapsing in a heap every time out. Um, yeah, he just did not look anywhere near himself in no. those timeouts, but he was still giving it a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to put in a performance like that on that stage, pretty impressive. Mm. All right. Uh, my number three. Uh, sorry, mine. one? My my number one of all time, and then I'll I'll throw in an extra just personal one, um, very personal, but um, it's all it's almost a a two game sort of performance from MJ, um, game three ninety three, Phoenix Suns Chicago Bulls in triple Ooh. overtime, Michael Jordan comes up short. Um, didn't have a great game. They didn't get it done. Um, but classic MJ came back in the following game, 55 points, and gave him a 3-1 unsurmountable lead. Wrecked havoc. Yeah. 
and just that my performance last time wasn't good enough I got you back guys here we go gets it done so you know it's it's not the most you know it's not it's not like flu game it's not you know <laughs> remembered in quite the same way but uh, yeah uh, for me that's just classic MJ of I've had a bad game I will not have two yeah no. fair enough um, I guess for my number one and everyone should be proud of me I haven't picked Kobe in any of these three mm-hmm. um, but shout out to Kobe anyway I could talk about his playoff moments all, all night Still, uh, that'll be a different pod <laughs> yep a whole one on a um, different show <laughs> my number one I'm just going to say is LeBron James mm-hmm. and I'm going to mention three performances I'm going to mini rank these three mm-hmm. so I think just being the generation I am and growing up watching LeBron in the playoffs and just recognising greatness when we can see it and he's given us so many moments um I've got him as number one for our generation anyway um, in terms of playoff moments. So at number three for LeBron, we've got the 25 straight points in the second half against the Pistons. He scored, I think it was 26 of their last 27 or it was 25 straight, I know that. And Mm -hmm. he was just an absolute wrecking ball carrying that Cavs team um, past the Pistons. Obviously, um, got swept by the Spurs after that, but young LeBron just dragging that team with Booby Gibson and Zidrunas Silgauskas. <laughs> Look at you with your big boy words. I, wow. I mean, that was yeah. that was special against that Detroit team as well. Yeah. Um, at number two for LeBron, we have Cleveland. This is for you. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <brother. laughs> Was Drew uh, Carey in the building? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> so that one is game seven of the 2016 finals where he led the Cavs back over that record-breaking Warriors team. Obviously, had the whole Draymond fiasco, but we're not going to go into that today. Um, oh, yeah, but, you know. I mean, Clay, you Clay do the crime, you do the time. Yeah, and Clay and Steph disappeared when they needed them most, too. So. Yeah, look, uh, LeBron had 27, 11, 11. Big triple double didn't rely on his team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't carried. Mm-hmm. Um, come with the man, so, come with the hour. Yeah. Um, number one though for me, you're not going to like this one. Game six, first Boston, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, 2012. Right. <laughs> the um, second year of the Heatles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So facing mm-hmm. elimination, LeBron puts up 45, 15, and five um, to save his team from elimination. And obviously they they go on to win Game Seven, and absolutely romp through Oklahoma City in the in the finals. So, you know, that might have been the start of the demise of Boston at the time, but it's also gave the Heat that momentum to go on and win LeBron's first chip as a player. And there was no one bigger in that moment than LeBron James. Mm. He wasn't losing that game. Yeah, unfortunately. But that's that's life too, you know. When you're a fan, sometimes your team gets up, and tom- sometimes they don't in those big moments. And yeah. um, that's life. Special shout out to the block by James moment as well. I mean, so many LeBron moments um, mm. in the playoffs. Mm. Mm. Well, let's 
my my absolute final one. It's just a purely personal one, and it's not a it's not a big all star name. And some of you might remember the name pretty much from this moment because this was kind of the pinnacle. Uh, but my little personal one that always gets me in the feels. Game four, 2010, in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, big three is still there. No one's firing. Mm-hmm. We're getting into the you know, start of the fourth. The score at the time was 64 to the Lakers and 68 to Boston. Yep. One big baby Davis comes through, um, grabs a rebound, puts it back up, puts it in. Gets fouled, you know, jogs up to the halfway line, just gives his best Hulk impression. Little Nate jumps. Shrek, r- maybe? <laughs> I don't know about Hulk. I think that was Shrek and Donkey, weren't they? Well, uh, little Nate Robinson runs up, jumps on his back, and keeps walking as if like a feather has landed yeah. on him. And it's just one of those moments, not, not because the play was all that fantastic. Um, and his numbers for the game, you know, weren't necessarily huge. Uh, he had 18 points, five boards. Four of them were offensive, um, offensive boards, but, you know, still. It's only 18 and five. But his team needed him. He was off the bench. And, you know, it was a playoff run we went, went on to lose. But it was just that moment of, oh, oh, my. You know, oh, my. That just, I was watching it. I was very into it. It just it got me right in the feels, and if Dan looks up on the wall, um, he'll actually see a photo where I've got both those players mm-hmm. have, have signed that photo. Just because for me that was that was as good as it got. Unfortunately, that particular playoff run, you know, even though we went all the way, didn't quite go all the way to the championship. One run our test tip in away. <laughs> I guess the Lakers had a similar moment Ron Artest doing yeah. that off Kobe's brick yeah yeah but it was just that moment of you know oh, the all-stars aren't firing but the bench got it done and it was just oh you lived and breathed that moment and oh for me that that's when I think of when if, whenever you know greatest playoff moments for me that's that's up there for me but again that's purely personal not everyone's going to have the same feelings about that one, which I understand, but, you know. Uh, that's playoff that's moments. Our, yeah, that's our playoff moments. I'm out. I'm going to reach right into the depths of your bags right now. Phrasing, boom. Introduce our, our last question of the week. Oh, yeah. Comes in from Tim Sung, Brisbane Capital superstar, our future hey. Brisbane Bullet, I've heard. That's what I've heard. So, um, shout out to Sungi for sending this one through. Um, mm. He's given us two questions, and I, I'll, I just feel like Timmy, you've kind of attacked me a little bit here. You, you've come at my, my two main guys, Kobe and Jar Morant. So, I don't know if you went fishing on these, but well done, mate, because I've definitely bitten. Um, mm. Let me just stop you there, Dan. Great work, Tim. Keep it up, <laughs> Dan. Back to you. Yeah, feel free to rip on some Celtics next week. Um, oh, if you can find a bad one, mate, you feel free. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so he sent in two questions. We'll go with the f- first one. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know our thoughts on... He, Timmy's a bit bit younger than us, and he's just seen the highlights of this series and got into all the controversial calls and theories surrounding the ending of the series, and that's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. 2002 
Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Kings. Mm. So, mm. Timmy wants to know our thoughts specifically on Game 6, whether we thought, you know, the game was rigged or if the refs sort of helped the Lakers win. I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, Mal, so I'll let you lead off. Uh, basically, while it wasn't... Hmm... Just Pretty saying. much, yes. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we all know where you're going. The problem is, if you watch Game Six in isolation, it's not, it, it, you know, it's not so bad. There's a few dubious calls, but it's. Uh. However, if you watch that particular playoff series in order, one, two, three, four, five, and then Game Six, you'll notice a rather profound change. Mm. In the way things were called around a certain Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. Um, it's like he didn't want Scott Pollard just laying on his back the whole game. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of those things. It, it was one of those games where it just it felt like it was officiated incredibly differently. And, you know, the Kings just didn't respond in time. Which... If it's game six in the series, should it be refereed differently? It should be refereed mm. the same way. It felt like there was True. a call that came from somebody, cracked down on this, and the rest were like, oh, okay, and went full-blown bunter. Um, I think, now correct me if I'm wrong, I think in this particular game, Shaq was fouled like 40 times or something. Yeah. It was some massive number of times that he was inverted commas fouled Is, isn't it ironic though that he spends a career getting teased that he can't shoot free throws and then everyone gets upset that he's shooting free throws I don't think that was really the, it was more around the percentage of the free throws that was the problem <laughs> not the not the amount that he was taking so um, I it, it's been a long time since I've watched the game obviously mm-hmm. I didn't go back and watch the whole game because there's a million YouTube videos of all the outrageous calls. Yep. So I went back and watched it just so I sort of, you know, refresh the memory. Um, and I tried to take in the players around and what was happening. Throughout the game, first three quarters pretty much, most of the calls that are highlighted in these videos, there's not a lot of player reaction or coach reaction. It's sort of, yep, that was a foul. There's even ones, I saw a couple where they point out, oh, this dubious call, but the Kings player, you know, raises their hand to say, I fouled them. Um, obviously, in the fourth quarter, different story. Um, a lot more what-the-heck moments. And mm-hmm. um, Look, I agree. There were some dubious calls out there. Um, you had Dick Bavetta um, as the referee there. Now, the theory behind old Dick is that he was the game, game seven guy. So... They bring him into a game six to enforce a game seven effectively, and that's the theory. Um, Look, watching that fourth quarter, some of those calls were Mm. outrageous. Some of them, I think, could go either way. But some of them, even as a Kobe fan, I'm like, oh, yikes. Like, there's one where he goes, Kobe goes baseline and gets blocked, um, and he gets called for a foul. He runs through Mike Bibby, throws an elbow into Mike Bibby's face, which would definitely be an offensive foul today. Um, So, look, I get it, but at the end of the day, the theorists are saying that 
the refs rigged that game just to get a game seven in Sacramento. So six games behind them, both teams. You've got a game seven in Sacramento. Take care of business. Chris Webber, Doug Christie, shut the bed. They didn't play well in that game seven. So, look, I, I get it. I get the game six thing. I, I do agree on most part. But they did have a game seven in their home arena to close things out, and they didn't. They did, but you've also got to uh, sort of take into consideration, like, you know, the game was just refed completely differently. And mm-hmm. that's, and in playoff runs, you know, it's, you know, and this is just purely from a fan perspective, obviously. Um, but it, when you're in a playoff run and all of a sudden things are going well and the refs take you out of it and you lose your mojo and, you know, because it's all about, you know, Monchismo, the, you know, yes, you know, we can do this as a team and then all of a sudden the referees just basically slap you down and say, oh, you, you guys aren't doing this. That's going to knock you around. Now, and I know, you know, yes, you should be able to get through that and whatever. I think the big thing and the big reason why this has been such a, you know, it's stuck with us all these years and keeps coming back every couple of years is basically the sheer fact that this was the King's only shot. That is their only shot. Mm-hmm. And this was Chris Webber's moment. This is as close as he got. And the big issue was then when they did have the Game 7 and in the end of the Game 6... Chris Webb was never the guy in those big moments. Um, I think he proved no, it was that. more Bibby, wasn't it? Really? Mm. And that goes back to the Fab Five days. You know, that's an easy shot, but still, you know, he was. It, it sort of stuck with him throughout his career. He often turned his back to the basket, and then he was an easy, easy defend because he wouldn't turn back around. He was always going to pass. Um, so sometimes he just. Needed a timeout. Mm. Mm. But, uh, yeah, look, for me, I don't necessarily know about robbed, but it was definitely... Oh, no, they were robbed. It, of game it, six. It, it ruined... Not the it, series. It ruined their <laughs> shot, and, you know, you come back from that. But then again, it would have been a... Was it a Kings-Nets final? Final series? But, I mean, they're calling it the greatest team to never win, and it's like... If they're the greatest team to not win and they didn't take care of business at home in Game 7, I'm sorry, they're not the greatest team to never win. Regardless of yeah, referee. that's why they didn't win. <laughs> I just... I don't know. Like, I get the Game 6 stuff, but at the end of the day, if you can't take care of business in Game 7 on your home floor, you don't deserve to be there. Kobe and Shaq dominated that game and it had nothing to do with the referees. No one's ever said a word about Game 7. Because Kobe and Shaq just walked in their building, wrecked him, and that was that. Weber didn't show up. Doug Christie was horrible. Mm. And they've only got themselves to blame for that. Not the refs, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too well, I get the momentum was ruined. But, I mean, you're going back to your home arena. That should be all momentum back, in my opinion. Should be. Wasn't. <laughs> it's history. So. Good question, though, mm. Timmy. Um, anyway. Let's uh, let's take a look at uh, shot fired number two. Yeah, <laughs> another one hit me right in the kicker. Um, would Zion have caught Ja Morant for Rookie of the Year if COVID didn't hit last year? 
I'll let you go first, Mel, because I'm sure everyone knows where I'm going with this. Yes. Over to you, Dan. <laughs> That's great. Great elaboration from, from the teacher as well. Um, yes, please. <laughs> would, you, would you care to justify? Uh, look, you know, if we didn't, I think that was a, you know probably enough hype. Jar, very bouncy, whatever, you know. Lots of highlight reels, you know, lots of good stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I just get the feeling they wanted to give it to Zion. Can I open my retort with a question to you? No, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> go on, hear me. So, going back to Embiid's rookie year, if you if you had a vote, which we certainly do not, mm-hmm. but if you did have a vote for rookie of the year, you're giving it to Embiid over Brogdon in that season. Taking all feelings for me and the Grizzlies aside, <laughs> and knowing where I'm going with this, uh, look. To be honest, I didn't watch. I didn't actually see much of either of their rookie years. So Embiid didn't play many games, but was clearly and utterly the best player in the draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brogdon played the whole season. He played it well. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year based on games played and how he played them. Where I'm going with this, obviously, mm-hmm. Zion. Look, no one wants Zion to do like well in the league as much as me or any Duke fan because we all love Zion. Um, and he is arguably the best player in that draft. Did he have the best rookie year sitting out half the season? No. No, but, you know. I mean, you, you go back. If you don't like Ja Moran or the Grizzlies, I get it. They're not a popular team. Just type into YouTube, Jar Morant Rookie Highlights. I guarantee you, that is better than 90% of NBA players' highlight reels for their career. Yeah, but is that is that why he got it? Because that's, that's the only thing that kids these days care about? Well, highlight reels what do we YouTube talk about reels? every week, about MVPs and stuff? We talk about stories and media hype. Mm-hmm. That was Jar Morant. Mm. He, he had it. He had it going on. Um, and he put together a better all-round season. Look, would Zion have caught him? I think maybe there might have been time, if I'm 100% honest. Mm. But as it stood with where the season ended, I think it was a fair result. Of course you do. Of course you <laughs> not, do. Not biased at all. <laughs> yeah, But 100%. Zion's having an absolute killer sophomore year and Jar's having a bit of a tough go at the moment, so... You know, yeah. if we were re- Where, where's the sophomore of the year? Yeah, well, if you were to redo the award this year, it would be a very much no-brainer for Zion. Mm. So, mm. yeah, good good questions sent in, Timmy. Um, yeah. Feel free to attack Mel next week. Yeah. Uh, or I'm just keep, keep going at me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah. keep going at him. It, it fires him up. <laughs> really appreciate all the questions, guys. Keep them coming in. They're getting better and better. Yep. We won't get around to everyone every week, but we're going to try and fit you in where we can. So please keep sending them through. Yep, great stuff, guys. Looking back now at the Australian League, um, specifically looking at the NBL Cup at the moment. Lots going on. Cup-specific ladder. Um, oof, there's... 
Yes, four teams at the moment on one win right down the bottom. You've got Illawarra, a little bit of a surprise. Um, mm. New Zealand, less so. Adelaide, wasn't expecting them to be pretty much bottom of the ladder. And then Cairns, not a huge surprise. To say the least. Yeah. Um, but right at the top there, we've got Melbourne and Perth. Perth currently undefeated in the Cup. Yep. And Melbourne, who dropped their first game in the Cup, which obviously still counts towards the regular season, so they're no longer undefeated. Yeah, took a took a loss to the Wildcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that's a bit of a finals preview. Well, look, you know, my team over yours, I mean... Well, I say my team. Our pick. My yeah, pick over your picks, pick. Our picks. <laughs> Brisbane forever. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, do you want to break down? Is there a couple of games that stood out for you, mate? Or Yeah, in this past week, um, do you want to address the Hawks? They've really just fallen off a cliff lately. Mm. I mean, I said a few weeks ago, they're only going to go as far as Tyler Harvey carries them. And that's sort of ringing true right now. Um, you know, they're getting thumped in the cup right now and that's now hurting them in the NBL normal ladder as well yeah well they have won um, they've won one game and seven quarters which purely in the quarters category one that actually puts them in fourth place yep um, but obviously with those with those other teams getting more actual wins that's bumping them up and knocking Iwara back down. Um, so. I guess, you know, a bit of a homer discussion, but the Bullets in their last two games, they've beaten the, the Hawks and the Taipans handily. Mm-hmm. Um, Vic Law had a huge game against the Hawks um, and not so much against the Taipans, but... The big one for me for the Bullets right now is Nathan Sobey. He is just... Oh, my goodness. He offensively is just unguardable right now. And I think ever since that Boomer squad was announced, there has just been a fire lit under (laughs) Nathan Sobey. And he's saying, guys, I need to be there. Mm. Because, like, he's just unguardable. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Yeah. I can do this. I can do this. It's, uh, It's definitely been interesting. Um to see how much he's turned it on. Um, a little bit uh, Booker Snub-esque in, Whoa, yeah, yeah. in that regard, but it's it's been sustained. Um, he's, he's definitely been playing better since he didn't make that list. So we'll have to see how that goes for him. Yeah, I guess, as you said, the United and Wildcats are just plodding along, just winning all their games. So yeah. just doing their thing, <laughs> so we won't get into them too much. Um Shout out to Macca, Mitch McCarron. He's got player of the game um, for United the other day. So um, he put up a big performance out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to keep an eye on the breakers at the moment. They've had Lamar Patterson go down. Mm-hmm. He's out for quite a while. And both Webster brothers are now starting and taking every single shot. But mm. it seems to be somewhat working. So I just yes. keep a little eye on the breakers at the moment. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe they're stronger without Patterson. Well, I'm not going to say that. Um, keep in mind on the ladder, the 
Breakers and the Wildcats have played two or three less games than most other teams as well. So there's room for that win-loss record to change quite dramatically once any like catch-up games are played. So yeah. um, the important thing is the Bullets are climbing the ladder. So mm. good yeah, on those boys. two wins definitely helped massively. Yeah. Last time we we sort of talked, they they weren't doing so good. They were very much towards the bottom but they rallied with those two wins and and shot up to up to fifth place well so. we had um Kadee go down with that nasty mm. ankle injury yes and that looked horrible yes. um but then interestingly enough i turn on the game and there he is playing so yeah yeah i, I mean it could have been too bad <laughs> it didn't it didn't look my ankles don't twist like that no it must have back elastic ankles so <laughs> Wow, yeah, it was... Oh, it was horrendous. But so, yeah, he's back playing. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Um, thing to look out for, Perth, uh, they've still got an extra game to play. Mm. So, and they're currently undefeated in the Cup. So, it's definitely going to... At the moment, definitely looks like it's going to come down to them. Um, and they've got eight games total to play, so... Bryce Cotton right now is just on another planet. Mm. He's, I mean, you got Stephen A. saying Kyrie's the best show in the NBA. There's your best show in the NBL. That kid is, oh, he's awesome. It's good <laughs> stuff, isn't it? Good stuff. Okay, Mal, time to get our willies out. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the Brisbane willies, right? The Brizzy willies. This is my favourite segment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just keep your pants on, Target. We're, we're just trying to keep in touch with Aussies over in the G League, NBA, WNBA. Just so happens to be the only two Aussies playing in the G League are from Brisbane. So, And they're both named William. So they're our Brizzy Willies. Um, so just to check in with what they've been up to in the past week. Um, McDowell White and Magna actually played each other since we last spoke. Nice. And McDowell White's team actually won the game, which was surprising because mm. Rio haven't been that good. And Will's, oh, sorry, Magna's team, yeah. the Bayhawks, um, they've been pretty, pretty solid so far. McDowell White is still getting roughly 15 minutes a game, 3 3 and 3. So, he's doing his bid. I don't think he's cracking that starting unit anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this week, um, they've got a definite NBA talent in Kevin Porter Jr. out at um, Rio there. And I'm not sure if he's kept up with it, but Kevin Porter Jr. has just been putting up 30-plus every night. And, you know, people... I think he belongs now to Houston Rockets, I want to say. Um, so a lot of people are saying, well, Houston aren't very good. So yeah. maybe they could do with a call-up. Because I, I know he did... Yeah, he was a Cav and he got traded to Houston. So um, he's a member of the Rockets. So, I mean, why not call him up? Don't take Jay Sean Tate's position, but take <laughs> someone else's. But get him up in there. Very personal there, but anyway. Um, you know, players like him moving on might free up more time for... McDowell White there. Yeah, um, which you know, could be great. 
but in that same game against each other, Magne had his first 10 rebound game. So, hey. Yeah, double digits. Didn't get the double double. Didn't get enough points. Uh. I mean, come on, coach. You got to get Magne some more looks there, I reckon. Mm. Um, but he's in a more established spot in the rotation. So yep. he's still getting 22 minutes a game. 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block. That's more than enough to justify having him on the team there. And it seems like he's trusted off the bench. So, Beautiful. doing really well. That's what we want to see. Yep. Because he's doing good. That's what we want. Beautiful. All right. Now from something positive to something a bit, yeah, you know. Well, frankly, it bangs my backboard. I like this already. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, now, we're actually going to talk today around the thing that bangs my backboard today is referee consistency. It's... At the pro level? At every level, I think is the big problem. Pro, amateur. Are we I going am? back to the two thousand and two Western Finals again? Consistency, <laughs> baby. It's it's been a problem for the last nineteen years, probably longer. Uh, look, you know, don't get me wrong. I used to be a ref. I'm not going back to be a ref. I think it's a thankless job. Um, but I think there just needs to be more consistency across the whole thing around. Lots of things, but I think specifically an area that needs to be worked on is talking to the refs. Um, and I think it needs to be a blanket rule from associations that, frankly, it's it's no. Unless you're talking to them at timeouts calmly, I, you know, just make it a blanket rule of no talking to the refs, and everyone enforces that. And then from juniors to pros, I think it, it then improves the referee's standing but when you've got inconsistency around you know one team's able to say whatever they like another team you know says one thing you've got was it in the pros the other day was it JJ Reddick threw the ball to oh, the ref what a joke and got tossed because of the intent of the throw oh. I mean in watching it like alright okay I don't particularly precious. see that but you know sure sure but you know, let, let's go back to the you know 90s, more 90s NBA style of refing where it was just, no, you're gone. Like, yeah. you don't talk to refs. But let's be consistent about it. You know, right from the bottom all the way up to the top and back down. Consistency. Because without it, if we don't have consistency, it's just going to continue to bang my backboard. Well, I think um, if you watch a lot of soccer games, which I do, especially, you know, in, in the European leagues. Um, the inconsistency has led to, you know, the abuse that referees cop in soccer games is just outrageous at the moment. And, and they just take it. Eventually they might give a yellow card, but I feel like there has to be a certain amount of profanity or, like, some sort of racist comment before that happens. And they just cop abuse every time they blow the whistle and they just deal with it. Um, so I think, you know, coming back to basketball... Especially, you know, in our rec leagues, like social leagues. It, yeah, yeah. It should be a blanket rule of, yeah, if you're not the on-court captain, you don't talk to the ref. Mm. But it needs yeah. to go both ways as well. Like, you know, we've both played most of our lives and, um, you know, we've come across referees that just don't have respect for the players either. And 
that's just never going to be a positive relationship. Um, no, it isn't. But I think some of the best referees I've ever had, I can still talk to. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it might be a simple case of they put up their hand and say, look, I get it. Come and talk to me at quarter time or come and mm-hmm. talk to me the next time out. And I'll tell you, you know, we'll discuss why I called it that way. And then we'll go and have a chat. And I'll walk away knowing exactly what the ref was thinking and exactly that point of view. And we're all good. I get it. I've got a, you know, got a clear mindset about what that referee is thinking. But nowadays you've got people, you know, some people yell at a ref. Some mm. people um, swearing at refs. Some, you know, all sorts of stuff. Swearing at other players. This, that and the other. And it's just, there's not being dealt with consistently. And I think from the association's point of view... They need to be proactive, not reactive. They're just being reactive when things, oh, no, it's this is too much, instead of blanket rules for everyone. Boom. Just my thoughts. Ball don't lie. That ball don't lie. So, Mal, that's the end of podcast number eight for Ball Don't Lie. <sighs> two months, mate. Two months. Yeah. Getting close to that six-month anniversary. Ooh. Hopefully you've got some nice gifts on the way. Hopefully you do have some nice gifts on the way for me. <laughs> Six months is diamonds, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks to everyone who's still listening and still with us at this point. We're, we're getting more and more every week. Um, seeing that we've now branched out into New Zealand and the United States. so mm-hmm. Have listeners everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're that listener in those other countries, please let us know. Send us a message. Send us a question. We'd love to give you a shout out. Um, the fact that we're reaching other countries is, is awesome. So um, definitely want to get some women on the show as well. Start hearing some questions from you. We've seen there's a few out there listening. Yep. So, yep. Um, Lots of. Send through your questions through the mailbag. Yeah. We, we want to hear from everyone. So mm-hmm. keep sending those through. Keep um, liking the page, sharing, member, neighbor, dog, anyone. Postman. Mm-hmm. And, um, Brother. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. Maybe the rest of your family as well. <laughs> <laughs> <Not just> your <laughs> oh, sister, I suppose. <laughs> um, but guys, we're really enjoying just pumping this out every week for everyone to listen to. And most of the feedback we're getting is positive. So mm-hmm. we welcome positive and constructive feedback. As long as it's constructive, you can tell us what we're doing wrong. Just, you know, don't go for the jugular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, remember that when you send your questions in next week? As you are, Timmy, don't listen to him. <laughs> don't listen to him. Um, but other than that, we'll um, we'll catch you guys next week. And just remember, that ball don't lie. Never does. <laughs>